0: All right, I'd like you to get your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. We want to look at the consolation of Israel. The consolation of Israel. We want to see the consolation of Israel in three ways. Now, the passage in Luke chapter 2 starting in verse 21 and going to verse 35. uh, That passage follows a passage that several of you, as far as a tradition, I had no tradition for Christmas. Uh, Well, that's a lie. Actually, that's a lie. I did have a tradition for Christmas, and I'll tell you what it was. The tradition that I had and so many Jewish people have for Christmas is first. Not necessarily in this order, but for us it was first, we go to a Chinese restaurant. <laughs> if you want to find Jewish people, look for Chinese restaurants. And secondly, we went, I went to a first-run movie. Usually, and I think the tradition is still the case, they open up, movies open up on Christmas Day. And so that was my tradition on Christmas. My wife's tradition on Christmas and oh boy, there's still arguments in our own family about it. She's a, her family was Christmas Eve. I don't know, are you open presents on Christmas Eve or on Christmas Day? Uh, she was a Christmas Eve. Um, and so I wanted to start our own family tradition, so now we open, we open one. We still do it. Uh, uh, one on Christmas Eve and the rest on Christmas Day. But we read Luke. I don't know how many of you do that. We read Luke. But we, we stop before this passage. And this passage obviously takes place after the Lord Jesus Christ has been born. And so we want to see the consolation of Israel in three ways. First, through the custom of the law. Second, through the call of Simeon. And third, through the Christ of prophecy. Three specific ways to see the consolation of Israel. Now, in the text, and let me get there. uh, And when eight days were completed... Another thing that characterizes Jewish people, well, boy, really does, food. Food. Food is incredibly important to the Jewish people. And we use just about anything, obviously other than Yom Kippur, which is a fast day, but we use just about anything as an excuse to get together, to eat. Now, I can't tell you I remember the time that I had my circumcision, Glad I can't remember it, to be honest with you. But I can tell you this, there was food involved. Not for me, but for everybody who came. The Brit Milah is the covenant of circumcision. And when a male baby is born in a Jewish family, it's a big Machiah. What's that mean? It's a big deal, huge deal. The family comes, food is usually catered, we bring in trays. We don't do our own trays. Uh, I noticed that amongst the Christian community. You know, they buy the lettuce and they buy the tomatoes and the, and the meat and they work all this time. To- get a tray. Get somebody else to do it. Uh, we get a tray. It's brought in. We eat. It's a, the Lord Jesus Christ had circumcision because the Lord Jesus Christ was Jewish. So when we think of the consolation of Israel, we have to think in the Jewish context. He was circumcised as commanded in the text in Leviticus chapter 12. It was a sign of a covenant between God and Abraham, and we've been hearing about that. Circumcision is a reminder of that covenant. At that circumcision, he was given his name. By the way, at my circumcision, I was given my name. Jewish people outside of Israel are given their Hebrew name. So I was born in Ohio. I was given my Hebrew name. Yisroel Reuben is my Hebrew name. Circumcision is the time for the first time that the Hebrew name of the baby boy is pronounced. And we know the story behind Jesus when he was given his name, Jesus, which means salvation. His name means what he is, salvation. Well, the text goes on to say, uh, for his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now, when the days of her purification according to the laws of Moses were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The Pideon, Habin, 40 days after the birth of a male child, the woman is now clean. One of the reasons in an orthodox synagogue, you'll have women in one section, men in another. You won't have it in conservative or reform synagogues, but you will have it in observance synagogues. Why is that? Because women every month are unclean and they're not going to ask at the door if you are or not. So the assumption is you are unclean. They keep the women away and the men separate in worship. Another reason, too, is to focus. Men need to focus on worship and not on the beauty of their girlfriends or wives or whatever. That's that's another reason. But purification. Uh, Mikvah. A mikvah. Those of you who've been baptized, and I trust everyone who knows Jesus Christ as Savior has been baptized, not because the water does anything for you, because it doesn't, but it's a reminder, it's a symbol, it is an identification with our Savior. Orthodox, observant Jewish people have mikvahs. It too is an outward sign of what already has happened. And that is after 40 days, you are now clean, you go to the mikvah, and you When the temple stood, you present the firstborn to the Lord because that all belongs to the Lord. And you have an offering. Jesus was redeemed. Not spiritually, but he was redeemed the same way that there's redemption of the firstborn today in Jewish communities. Five pieces of silver, shekels for the temple. He was brought to the temple. The Redeemer was redeemed. And we already talked about purification. That's one way. The idea of the law. Now the call of Simeon. The call of Simeon. It says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit unto the temple, when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, and we'll look at that shortly. What do we know about Simeon? Uh, My children, when they were young, they're adults now, but when they were young, we had a Christian book called Simeon, a wonderful book, not many words, lots of pictures, but the pictures and the words, when blended together, told a story of a Jewish man who knew that he would see salvation before he died. What a tremendous hope that is. Simeon, what we know about him is, is what, really what we don't know about him. We don't know what tribe he was from. We don't know his family status. Uh, the book that my kids had of Simeon was in a white beard with white hair depicting the, the, the possibility and maybe probability that he was old, but we don't know. It doesn't tell us. So we don't know his age. We don't even know his occupation, although there are many people who say they do, that he must have been a priest because he always went to the temple. Again, possible, maybe even probable, but we don't know. And you know, if we're gonna be true to our hermeneutic, If it's not there, we can't say that it is. We can speculate. There's no problem with that. But we simply have to say, bottom line, we don't know. The Spirit of God didn't want us to know. But what it does tell us about him is he was righteous. That the Holy Spirit does want us to know. This man, Simeon, was righteous. He was devout. He was committed to the living God. He was a man of faith, and he was Holy Spirit-directed. Now, the church is not in existence at this time, but I am telling you, it is possible for you to be like Simeon. No, you're not going to hold baby Jesus in your hand, but you can be a devout, righteous person of faith who is Holy Spirit-directed. You can be. Simeon knew by the Spirit of God that he was to ultimately see the consolation of Israel. It was his great hope, and he looked for him every single day. By the way, even though the church doesn't exist then, and he's not part of the church, we in the church can be the same way because we're waiting for something. We're not waiting for baby Jesus. We're waiting for the return of Christ, either through the rapture of the church for us, or we'll see him in death. One way or the other, we're looking forward to being with Christ. Simeon, what we do know about him is that he was tremendously committed to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Obviously, he's Jewish. The context here is Jewish. It's around the temple. He was obedient to, to the revelation that he had he was obedient to the revelation that he had oh you know what's what's interesting to me is you, if you come to a conference it's a double ble- well it's a double-edged sword you see when you come to a conference like this you get some information that you didn't have before before you could argue i didn't know but now that you're here You do know you're responsible for it, and so am I. The more that we walk with Christ, the more responsibility we have. Simeon didn't have all the word of God. He didn't have the full revelation of the text, but what he had, like Abraham before him, whatever God told him, he was committed to doing. We can be the same way if we choose to. He was a man of faith because he waited. He waited for the consolation of Israel. He believed in literal prophecy and he believed it would be fulfilled. Isaiah chapter 25 and verse 9, we have waited for him and he will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel. It was prophecy to him that the redeemer would come and he would hold salvation in his hand well we also know that he was filled with the holy spirit the holy spirit revealed he would not see death till he saw the lord's christ the holy spirit led him to the temple precisely the time when mary and joseph brought jesus to the temple now you know I don't know if you're a big miracle person. Do you like those big miracles? Uh, I know Jewish people do. The Holy Spirit does too. When you read the Old Testament, the number one miracle that's repeated over and over again is the redeeming of the Jewish people out of the land of bondage. I mean, it's a a big miracle. 400 years in bondage, uh, a virtual somebody turned into a nobody coming back as a representative of God, going to the greatest person on the planet saying, let my people go. If they had odds on it at Las Vegas, it would be Pharaoh overwhelmingly going to beat Moses. It was a huge, huge difference. And yet it happened. It happened. And when we think in terms of miracles, many of us don't think about the providence of God. Think of this. Simeon, given the promise, all the dealings that God had to deal with Miriam and Joseph, having the baby at the right time, coming to the temple when she's clean, after the baby had been circumcised, bringing him there for the offering, the temple offering. At just the same time, there is Simeon, an amazing bringing together what was told Simeon so long ago. I don't know what that does for you, but in terms of our life, God does the same thing today if... We but have eyes to see. It's, it, to me, it's an amazing thing. The call of Simeon. When you look at verse 28, it says, He took him up in his arms and blessed him and said... Now, now, think of the worship that is here. Oh, worship. I did a, we have a Thursday night Bible study of Friends of Israel, and I, I just did a, a one-hour study on worship. And I told them I was uh, kind of shaken in my boots. Uh, Most of you know probably the number one issue in worship Uh, might be going on at your local church. Big arguments. Oh, man, all kinds of arguments. People digging in. Christians, Bible-believing, oh, loving Christians. You're not going to get that stuff in my church. I'm not touching music. I'm not going to touch it here. But it's an issue. Look at the worship that goes on in verse 29. Lord Now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. That's the idea of salvation, worship. Who am I in front of a holy God? Now my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for in the face of all people. And now we see mission, his mission. What's the mission of this person, the consolation of Israel? a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles. Simeon took that 40-day-old Jesus, just less than two months old, held him in his hands and realized what his ministry would be. I'd argue that baby brought him peace. That baby brought him peace. You know, Simeon was living in difficult circumstances you know, when you read about somebody in the past, whatever they're going through doesn't really bother you. Now, maybe I'm just speaking when I read about it. I mean, somebody's going through something. I say, oh, that's, that's really hard. But, you know, and then I take another sip of my iced tea while I'm reading. Think about it. Simeon was living a godly life in, in the midst of difficulty. Many of us say, oh, things, things are getting horrible in this country and we take another sip of our iced tea. They, they certainly might not be as good as they used to be, but if for any of us who think this is, oh, we're living in horrible days. It can't get any worse than this. Ay ve, We're wimps. We are. Simeon was living in a difficult circumstance. He was probably, as I said, I don't know, but he was probably older. But when he held that baby in his hand, I would submit to you there was a, ah, don't you think? Does Jesus provide peace for us in the midst of difficulties? Now, maybe you're here with a burden. It's not the Romans that are your burden. It's not the government that's your burden. You got issues. Could be your family. Could be any number of things. But you know, Jesus Christ brings us Oh, peace. One of the arguments Jewish people say, well, you believe Jesus is the Messiah. Where's the peace? You tell him right here. I know it's not around us, but it's right here, and the rest will come. The rest will come. Simeon had peace. He had peace. The baby provided salvation because the baby is salvation. Jesus is salvation. That little helpless baby is salvation. Another question I get from scoffers. Oh, Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah? That means they had a diaper them. You believe God wears a diaper? <laughs> Have you, maybe you've never had that. I've had that. What do you say to them? I'll tell you what I say. Yes, a helpless baby coming humble. That's the whole purpose of, what, of God's plan of redemption to teach us things that here is God willing to humble himself when he doesn't have to do it, to be raised amongst his creation, to the second person holding back the very attributes that he has at his disposal. Why? All for a purpose. Because he loves us and ultimately paid the price for us. He becomes a grown man, a light to the Gentiles, and glory For the Jewish people. Glory to Israel. Well, yes, Jesus is the consolation of Israel. He's the comforter. He's the one that provides comfort for us. He's the one that we should be proclaiming in a world that is so on edge. He's the one that provides comfort and consolation for us. There's a song Jewish people sing every Shabbat. It's called Lacha Dodi. It was composed by a rabbi in the 6th century. It's sung to this day in synagogues around uh, the world. Uh, And here's one of the verses uh, translated. Shake yourself free, rise from the dust, dress in your garments of splendor, my people, by the hand of Jesse's son of Bethlehem. Redemption draws near to my soul. Now, I sang L'cha Dodi, all those verses, and I had no idea it was there. I had to look it up later as a believer, and when I found that, I I was astounded that Shabbat were singing about the consolation of Israel. It's an amazing thing. Another verse, do not be guilty, do not be ashamed. Why be downcast? Why moan? All my afflicted people will find shelter within you, and the city shall be rebuilt on her hill." The future restoration of Jerusalem with all its splendor is still a hope by some Jewish people, observant Jewish people. Where the temple is rebuilt, that's what many of them have a hope for. We've heard about the millennial kingdom. There will be a time, and we've heard about it. There is a future time for Israel. It's going to be where Gentiles go to that city with a temple, with sacrifices, with Jesus on the earth. Well, what about the Christ of prophecy? And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them, said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. The rejection and reception of the Messiah... Christ, his, by the way, not his last name. Christ was not his last name. Not the Christ family. Jesus, salvation. Uh, Psalm 118 is, su- is sung uh, during Passover. The stone which the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Well, The stone rejected. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. Remember that dream in Daniel chapter 2? A big statue talking about the world governments and a stone cut without hands. Stone crushes the statue and then rises to an exceedingly high mountain. Rejected and received. Cut without hands, which becomes a huge mountain. What's the sign? The sign received by only a remnant. Jesus comes. Did every Jewish person believe in him? No. At first, he had quite a popular following. There were a few people who followed him. Uh, The more miracles he did, the more people became attracted to him. But at the end, alone. Alone. Jesus was received by only a remnant. And then, the prophecy for his own mother... The prophecy as Simeon looked into Mary's eyes, holding her two-month-old baby in her hands, a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also. I think we forget, I know I do, we forget that the prophecy that Simeon had as he looked at Miriam's eyes was given to a mother, a mother holding this special baby a prophecy that would pierce her heart. Why? Because here was a mother giving birth. Oh, supernatural, we know all about that. But we know that 33 years later, there was Mary at the foot of the cross, and there was her son. You know, I remember when I was little, my aunt died, and my grandmother was alive at the time. And I remember the wailing and the crying, and then I remember my grandmother yelling at the top of her lungs, it's not supposed to be this way. The parents are supposed to die, not the children. Maybe there's somebody here in this room that had their heart pierced as a loved one, a child. adult child maybe even, but lost their own child. I think as Mary gazed at that cross, oh yeah, understanding all the ramifications. He needed to die to even save his own mother. But she was a mother, and there was her son, like a knife, a sword, piercing into her heart. Simeon prophesied that that would be the case. Why? Why put all that anguish for the consolation of Israel and for the consolation of you and I. What a story. Real flesh and blood in a real location involving real people and real emotions. All for you and me. Let's look to the Lord in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we pause right now to give you thanks. We're thankful for this story. We're thankful for the consolation of Israel. We're glad that Simeon, had prophecy in his life and saw it fulfilled as he held salvation in his hands. Father, we don't have opportunity to do that. We, on the other hand, have an opportunity to look back and understand before holy God how far short we fall. And at the same time, even though there's no way we can reach you in fellowship on our own, it's provided birthed through the person of the Lord Jesus, raised in Israel, ultimately at a young age, at really the prime of life, sacrificed for us. Lord, the response of our heart should always be, thank you. And we say it even now, in Jesus' name, amen.